Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Brandon Frank here. Today's a little bit of a different episode where we have one of our employees at Pacific Packaging Components on to talk about secondary packaging, and her name is Chelsea Crofts. She is definitely one of the most, if not the most passionate, most enthusiastic people about secondary packaging. So I think it's a great episode. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Well, hey, Chelsea, welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you're basically like a TV show, like star, right? I don't know about that, but I do enjoy it. (laughs) How many TV shows have you been on? I have been on four game shows at this point now. And you've won every single one, right? I wish. No, I won the first one, which made me think that I was going to win, you know, as I kept going. But unfortunately, I've hit a bit of a losing streak. But So you had the beginner's luck first time out. And then yes. what were the shows that you were on again? So I've been on Let's Make a Deal. That was the first one that I won on. I've been on 25 Words or Less twice. <laughs> Lost twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then recently, I was just on Funny You Should Act which was awesome. Got to work with a lot of cool comedians and they were hilarious. <laughs> That's really cool. The joys of living in Los Angeles, right? Exactly. <laughs> so today we're going to talk a little bit about boxes, unit cartons, shippers, ambassador kits, holiday kits, all the fun stuff that you are like an expert in. I'd like to think so. <laughs> so just like some background, like how many years have you been working with beauty brands, And full disclosure to our audience, Chelsea is one of our amazing packaging experts here at Pacific Packaging. So it's the first time that I actually interviewed someone from our company, but with all the cool box stuff that's going on right now and that we're doing and have done, I thought it'd be great to hear from the expert herself. Yeah, I've been in this industry for over six years now, and I've done a lot of secondary packaging, flexible packaging, but yeah, definitely unit curtains, shippers holiday kits, influencer kits, the whole nine yards. One of the things that I love about packaging is like, even when we think we have it all figured out, like there's still projects where we're still learning and we're still, oh yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff too. Kind of like looking back on all the projects that you've looked on, what are some that were like really fun to work on or maybe the ones that you like learned the most from? Yeah, honestly, I would say It's kind of crazy, but I love having people come to me with these crazy ideas that they're like, I know this could never happen, but this is kind of what we're thinking. And then we can actually execute it and blow their minds. And, you know, a lot of the times I'm like, bring your crazy ideas to me because you'd be surprised. Like sometimes it takes a little bit longer at the, you know, round table to figure out how we're exactly going to execute this. But when we can and bring their ideas to conception, it is the best feeling in the world. So I've had one where they wanted a cigar style box. This is going to be their shipper, but it was going to be kind of the main event. So when they open it up, it was going to be holographic and space-like. And it got the consumer so excited about the product because they didn't want to throw away the box. I mean, the box was as beautiful as the actual product was. So that just makes me, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Like (laughs) I'm telling you, like it is packaging makes a world of a difference and Truly, like who wants to open a plain, boring brown box? You know, you want excitement and you want your logo and you want it to pop and just get everyone as excited as we are and as, you know, the brands are. So, so much fun. 
when a beauty brand or just a brand in general comes to you and they have a project, like how do you kind of start that initial creative ideation like process? Like how do you kind of set the whole project up for success from the very beginning? So it kind of depends on when they get to me, if they already have an idea in mind, if they have parts of an idea, it's almost like building a vision board sometimes. If they really don't know what the end product is going to be, but they know kind of the essence of what they want it to look like, we kind of try to, you know, tap into their minds. And I'm a very visual person. So even if we're not going with the exact photo that you're sharing with me, if it has the essence of what you're working towards, it's good to just start, you know, roundtabling and then coming up with ideas. And let's say they have a primary component and they're so excited about it, but they need a unit curtain for it. I would literally build a blank CAD sample around it. And that's how we figure out the structure and the sizing. Everything is completely custom. And from there, you know, once we get the structure down, then we can start the fun stuff, which is the deco and foil stamping or embossing or just really making it their own. That is probably the funnest part. But yeah, it's everything's super custom. And once we get the idea of, you know, we want the overall like secondary and outer packaging to really represent what that primary package is going to look like, you know, start tying everything in. So that's great. And kind of thinking back or for the brands that are listening, what are some of like the biggest pitfalls or mistakes that brands often make when they're thinking or considering about secondary packaging? The hardest part I would say is when they really don't know what they want and they kind of, you know, are trying to grab every idea under the sun, but we're not sure. And maybe they don't have the quantities for that. It's kind of hard. And You know, I never want to disappoint anybody. So I try to be very upfront and I love to give initial pricing just to get a temperature check and see like, if this is in line with your budget, let's keep going. Let's keep rolling. You know, but I'm very conscious of like what your budget is. I want to be able to stick to it. And that's the great thing. We have digital equipment nowadays are the digital presses that we have are so much more advanced than they used to be. And that is such a great way to get around some of that cost. You know, there's so many options now that are in line with recycling and we're still using water-based inks, vegetable-based inks in some cases. And so we're still getting that quality, but we just have a lot more flexibility now, you know? Yeah. I mean, from my understanding, and we've talked about this a bit, is that the capabilities of that, those like digital printing is, is that the MOQs can be a lot lower, the capabilities of printing like really high quality images and even like different designs and structural things as well can be really personalized and unique to each brand. Exactly. And especially they have holiday kits or they have multiple SKUs. Sometimes going a digital route is the way to go. And we have presses now that literally can do with one pass foil stamping, the finish, like everything all in one, which is so crazy because when I first started in this business, it was definitely not that way. But it's so much more advanced now. And even with corrugated, I mean, we have so much more flexibility even with corrugated now. It's crazy. I can design some pretty amazing boxes that would have cost an arm and a leg or the MOQs would have been, you know, through the roof. And now it's a lot more manageable. And so it makes me more excited because I'm like, there's so many more options I can offer, you know, like, let's go for it. Let's go with the crazy ideas and let's see if we can actually do it, you know? Yeah, I was talking to a fulfillment, like 3PL center the other day and, you know, they don't do anything on the Amazon side. Like they do everything for beauty brands that are shipping directly out of their fulfillment centers. And he kind of noted that there's been just, it's almost rare for brands that are sending out 
their like boxes or their products in blank shippers. Like almost all of them are creating a custom shipping box out of that corrugate that you were talking about. And either the outside or the inside is like branded really well to like really personalize the the delivery. And, you know, my wife shops a lot. (laughs) And like when those boxes arrive on our doorstep, it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's, it's just really fun to see like the personalization and the customization again. Absolutely. Again, it gets you excited. I'm the same way. When I get a package and it's delivered to my door and it's pretty, (laughs) it makes me so much more excited and it makes me want to show it off. And so right there, it's word of mouth. I literally have taken photos of an unopened box and sent it to my best friend and been like, look how cute this is. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they really went the extra mile. It really does make a difference. I can't remember what brand it was, but Kimberly ordered, it was some like pet Gosh, I can't remember. Anyways, we were, she ordered a bunch of stuff from some website for our dog. And it came and the box was like for me, dog food and some other stuff. But you could convert the box into like a play kit or yard for like a cat or for us, it was our kids. But they built a fort out of this box. It was like perforated in a way to where they could like assemble it. Have you seen those before? Yes. No, that's amazing. And that's so much fun. Like anything... Any extras like that, it's very easy to do and it makes such a big difference. I mean, how many times have you heard you give a kid a box, their imagination will run wild and sometimes they like the box more than the product, you know? So it's very easy to incorporate fun little things like that, like preparations. And we do a lot of cartons too that turn into displays. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. I mean, if you want to sell your product like individually, I've done a lot where we have stick packs that, you know, would sit on a counter at a convenience store so that somebody can just grab one. But then also, too, sometimes you want to sell the whole pack. So this way you could do either or, you know, there's so many different options. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned MOQs before. For those listening, minimum order quantities are like the thing that people talk about the most when it comes to packaging. because, And it's not because like we're as like packaging professionals are evil and we're just trying to sell you more items, but there's a kind of economies of scale when it comes to producing packaging. And the more that you kind of make, then the less the unit cost is. And at some point you go down so low that it's just not worth even running. Like the expense of those just becomes a really big hindrance. So when it comes to MOQs and the work that we're doing at PPC, where would you like to see brands kind of at their MOQs when they're considering going into secondary packaging? So realistically, typically, I mean, we can truly go down to a thousand, you know, MOQ for unit cartons. We can go even lower for shippers. I can't stress it enough, but the digital press is really allow us to get down to, I mean, hundreds in corrugated, even unit cartons. But I will be very honest. And a lot of the time when I'm quoting unit cartons for a thousand, it's maybe the difference of a couple hundred, maybe even 200 and you could possibly get 5,000. So really understanding what the need is for each client and how we can work with that because there's also gang running. So let's say you have a box that is the exact same size, but you have multiple SKUs. We can absolutely gang run them and then you can get that 5,000 price, but for five different SKUs, you know? So we can definitely work with the budget, the quantities, whatever is needed. That's cool. We have a lot of flexibility with that. <laughs> In terms of like making this stuff, you know, there's manufacturing domestically, overseas. Like, what have you kind of seen the difference? And like, when should a brand stick with domestic suppliers and when should they go overseas? I, you know, I know a lot 
of brands really love to have that creative control. And I absolutely love when they join me on the press checks because I will always be there. If we're running it domestically, I will be there. Even overseas, like we'll talk, but you know, domestically, I will always be at the press checks and I always invite them to come with me because I want them to be completely comfortable with the colors, with the artwork. It needs to be exactly what they have in their mind. And they will be the ones to sign off. I mean, we can, you know, go back to the press, adjust colors, whatever's needed. I've had plenty where we go outside to get that natural lighting, you know, like we have our light boxes and everything, but sometimes they just need another opinion. And I like doing it domestically. I also take into consideration where these boxes are going to end up because I want to try and get them as close to their distribution centers as possible. And if they are local, I absolutely would love to have them there. I just love to have, you know, and meeting them in person. It's so much fun to do this together. It's a very collaborative, you know, project and it's just nice to have them have the final say. As you know, sustainability and packaging, especially in the beauty space, has been a uh, ongoing theme and topic. When it comes to secondary packaging, like what are the considerations or options that brands have to make that packaging more sustainable or more eco-friendly? Definitely. There's a lot of options. There is, you know, recycled material that we can offer. We can, you know, go with FSD, which really takes into account how it's, you know, how the trees are, I don't know how to say it, but like how everything's like made and how, you know, the forest is treated when we are getting the paper supply and everything. And I feel like with secondary, because there is like, it's not holding the actual product itself. There's a little bit more flexibility with using something that might be, you know, what is it called? Like, I have done boxes where it was, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's like disintegrates. Like it literally like it's compostable. <laughs> compostable. Fully compostable. Yeah. I need to bring it into my office at home. So there's home compostable and industrial, but you're saying this is home compostable. I have to double check, but yeah, but there's so much more, you know, flexibility when it comes to secondary because it's not holding the actual product most of the time. So sitting on a shelf, you don't have a product that's going to seep through or there's another barrier with the stick packs or with, you know, whatever's holding the actual product. So there's definitely a lot more flexibility with that. You uh, mentioned FSC and I was blanking on what it stood for as well, because it's always a hard one, but it's Forest Stewardship Council. And they have a certification that basically says it's basically virgin or new material, right? That's been harvested from a forest in like a socially, environmentally and economic, like good way. Right. Instead of just like clear cutting, I think they're actually managing the forest really well. There's another program called Invercoat where they actually replant a tree from the one that they've taken when we order those materials. Wow, that's cool. And they have a whole site where you can go on and you adopt a tree and it's really special. It's, it's good to know that we are doing our part to give back, you know, when we're taking from the earth. So I appreciate that. I visited a recycle facility and I was always under the impression that most paperboard that was decorated or even shipping like Kurgit that was decorated would not get recycled. Like they would pull out a lot of that, especially if you had foil stamping and all of those different things. But my understanding has shifted over the last like few months and that really anything that is paper, even if it's highly decorated, even if there is foil stamping, like it'll still go through the same process with all of the other paper. Now, some of those materials may be contaminants to where like they'll filter it out or whatever, but it's like, I don't know, in a world of like where very few things are actually captured and recycled, paper is actually, 
highly likely to be captured in almost all single stream recycle, you know, streams in the U.S. At least that's my understanding as of today. I'm, I'm sure somebody listening to this will send me an email and tell me that it's not true or, or that it's different in some part of the world or you know whatever. But yeah, no, definitely. And there's always uncoded paper. We can definitely work, you know, with what the brand has in mind. If that's you know super important to them, there's absolutely ways to go about it. Like I mentioned, there's water-based inks, there's vegetable inks. They're not harmful, and they will be able to be recycled. So it's a good option to offer. Are there like certain primary packaging like setups or kind of types of packaging that you think are kind of really, really good to combine with secondary packaging? Like, is it glass dropper pipettes or tubes or like, which ones would you really recommend for brands to take a look at? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important to understand exactly how this product is going to get into the hands of the consumer. Um, It's very different if it's sitting on a shelf, if it's not going direct to consumer, but if you're shipping it, you really have to take in consideration how we're going to protect that primary package. So for something like glass, we might suggest something that either has maybe a corrugate insert or maybe just a board that's a little bit thicker than they maybe naturally would have went with. We can also, I mean, we have the ability to make inserts with, you know, the same type of paperboard. So it really depends on the component itself. And that's why I stress that everything's custom. We're really going to, you know, dial it into the component that we're working with. That's great. Thank you. Now, when it comes to like holiday kits and ambassador kits and retail displays, it's definitely something that I haven't done a ton of. I've been mostly on the primary side, but that's something that you've had experience with in the past as well and and are excited about taking on projects. Yeah. <laughs> what do those projects like typically involve and how are they different from like a typical unit carton or, you know, shipper? It's fun, you know, for both, for holiday kits, for influencer kits, it's really about popping and really making that consumer excited about it. And so also too, like, I think people don't really even realize it. We start working on holiday kits so early. I mean, we're talking like, we probably start April, May. And at that point, it's kind of like, okay, let's keep the ball rolling, you know, because we have to get it done. And usually it needs to be completely delivered into the distribution center by September. So I encourage everybody to get those in early, but it's fun. It's a way to get, you know, away from the brand and what they've done with their packaging, you know, very custom and, or very, you know, it's a good way to just kind of bring in new ideas and bring in new decorations that maybe, you know, maybe we wouldn't do sparkly and shiny for everyday packaging, but we can for Christmas because it's like a present. Like if you're, you know, you're handing these out, it's exciting. And you want that to kind of embody like the excitement that someone's going to have when they receive it. You know, you kind of want it to match that energy. And same for influencers. I mean, a lot of brands, the first really like launch is bringing it to an influencer. They want them to talk about it. They're not, you know, no one's going to be excited if they're opening a brown box and a brown bag. And, you know, they want something that pops and something that they can literally hold up and show their audience and get the audience as excited for it. So it's fun. It's like when it comes to influencer kits, when it comes to holiday kits, it's like sky's the limit. Let's go crazy. Let's add the glitter. Let's add the foil. Like, let's do it. You know, let's really make that pop. I actually received one that had like a mini flat screen television in it once. I opened it up. That's amazing. And it like sensed that I opened it up and it started, you know, like 
playing on this like little TV. And it was like an introduction. It was a welcome. It was a person who was like, hey, like, welcome to this. And it was like going into the story. And yeah, I found out later that we know factories, manufacturers that can actually do that. Pretty crazy. Well, yeah, it just keeps getting cooler and cooler and cooler. You know, I have seen also too with just simple things like adding a QR code. So when you scan it, then the person, the brand is actually telling you the best way to apply their products. I mean, it's so advanced nowadays. And that is something that's so easy to do. You know, it's something so small and simple, but to the consumer, that would be huge. I mean, who doesn't want that? You know, like, how am I going to use this to the best of the ability of the product? And it's fun to add those extras. Boy, like when it comes to smart packaging, like a QR code has been around for a little bit, but are you seeing other kind of advancements where like the secondary packaging can be decorated or designed in a way that really encourages customers to interact with it in that same way? Absolutely. I have seen labels and we have the ability to produce these labels where if you hover it over, it comes to life. It literally comes to life, has a story. I know, I think there's a wine company that has something similar like that. And you literally just hold your phone over it and it comes to life. Coca-Cola also had one where it was their Christmas program. And if you held it over the can, you know, you would see the polar bears and everybody knows the iconic polar bears. And it's just a fun little extra, you know, it's like, oh, wow, they really went the extra mile. Like, and it's it's easy to do. Well, I guess like, I mean, when it comes to brands that are really trying to differentiate themselves from all the other brands out there, to be able to do something like this, that maybe costs a little bit extra, but creates tremendous value, or at least the perception of value in the brand, that brand equity or that brand loyalty with customers. I mean, I have to think that a lot of brands would be very interested in learning more about those things. Absolutely. Which is why they should talk to you. Exactly. Come talk to me. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'll be just as excited as you are, if not, maybe more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little crazy about packaging, but it's a good thing. It's fun. It stands out in the best, like truly, I mean, word of mouth is the best way to get, you know, people excited and interested. And when you have a product that excites you that so much so that you want to share it with somebody else, you want to tell somebody else about it. I mean, that's all you could ask for. <laughs> Chelsea, I've been around this industry for a long time and I can honestly say you are the most passionate person and excited and enthusiastic person I've ever come across when it comes to secondary packaging. So I'm so glad that we got to do this little episode. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thanks, Chelsea. Well, thank you all for listening to that episode today. And a special thanks to Chelsea for coming on the show. I think it was a little different and unique for us to be speaking to each other in like podcast way, because usually we're working on projects together and talking to customers. But I'm so glad that she was willing to come on our show. If you have any projects or questions about secondary, you should definitely reach out to Chelsea and I'll be sure to put her contact information in the call notes below. And as always, reach out directly to us as well. Send the emails, connect on LinkedIn. Love to hear from you. So until next time, take good care.